You're listening to the IBSI Views podcast. This is Gaia Lamperti, and today we're joined by Nadia Edwards-Dashti, Chief Customer Officer and Co-Founder of Harrington Star, as well as a published author and podcaster. Hiya, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you. And I really appreciate you accepted to be on the show, Nadia, because I know you are very busy these days. When this podcast will be published, your book, Fintech Women Walk the Talk, will also be out. When is the official launch? Um, so the book launches on March the 15th, 2022. Um, and uh, as we record now, that's just a one week away. So I'm really excited about it. So yeah, we will definitely talk about that in today's episode and the issues that this book tries to tackle. Um, but before that, Nadia, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm very curious to learn more about your personal journey in the tech industry at large, and more specifically uh, in your dual career, both on the HR side and and as a media personality. <laughs> oh, I love how you describe it as a media personality as well. So let me take you all back. Um, 2005, I graduate from UCL. I'd just finished my master's in international relations, well, Russian studies to be, to be more um, exact. And I wanted to go out into the world of work and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I bumped into recruitment as a lot of people do. So I started working for um, a technology recruitment agency, placing technologists into financial services. So this is all the way back in 2005. I learned my craft. Fast forward to 2010, and I become one of the founding members of Harrington Star. And we are placing technologists into financial services. Fast forward again from that, look what happened in the decade of 2010 to 2020. Such huge change across the technology field, across financial services. Historically, financial services was the front office and business first, technology second, maybe third, maybe fourth, you know. Um, and now look at all of our financial services transactions. I mean, everything that we touch, everything that we spend, everything that we save is we need technology. So my whole world has been, I've been super empowered by seeing this huge change happen because I've been placing technologists and giving them great career opportunities in this world since 2005. And, um, you know, what I have seen in that time, as a recruiter, you see so much. You find out why people leave, why people join, why people stay, who's getting promoted, who's getting overlooked, are people getting paid fairly, why were they moved into that other position? You hear the reality, not just what's put out there in the press or made to sound good. You hear what happens inside every single story. And, you know, it's fascinating what you see and what you learn. But back in 2005, 2006, 2007, could I do anything about it? No, I was I was a junior. And back then, the culture of workplaces were juniors. You, you just get on with your job and you know, don't share your opinion. But I had an opinion and I didn't like a lot of what I saw. And I'm really pleased I stayed within the industry because I then grew my personal career so that I could be in a position where I don't just witness some of the injustices, but instead I am now part of driving awareness, acknowledgement, allyship, advocacy to make change happen on these injustices. And I constantly say to people, 
back in 2010, when I really started driving this work forward, no one used the word diversity, equity, or inclusion. Let's just remember that, you know. So, um, you know, this is this is where my passion came from because I'm a recruiter and I am proud to find people great jobs, but their jobs will be only as great as the investment in them, the promotion in them, the happiness, engagement, productivity day to day. And for me, diversity and inclusion is central to that. And that should be the answer to everybody as well, really, when you want to build dynamic workplaces for people to be their best in. Amazing. I love how you were there at the very beginning before it was a thing, before we had the tech boom, especially in financial services. And yeah, it's very right. As you said, you see all of it, the good and the bad. So you are in a very privileged position within the industry to, you know, bring about change. And indeed, on the side, you also have other initiatives going. Uh, We mentioned the book earlier on, but you're also the host of a very popular podcast. Would you like to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I became aware um, and I knew that I had to make others aware. So I started doing talks at different events and I tell people this story because this was like a moment for me. I was at a conference in Amsterdam talking for the European Women's Payment Network, so EWPN. And in my talk, I was celebrating 11 companies that were doing great things for gender equality. And one of the things I spoke about was a particular company who was raising awareness of their women because representation is super important to retain women in the industry, to attract more women in the industry and to give confidence to those in women in the industry. Anyway, I was asked a question about what I do for awareness and I answered the question, but I was not in my comfort zone. And at that moment, I decided I need to raise awareness of the women in my network because I've got a fantastic network having been in the same industry for so long. And that is when the podcasts were born. So 2018, I started my my Women in Fintech podcast. After about a year of recording that, I wanted to showcase things uh, beyond gender equality because diversity and inclusion is about including everybody and it's not just a gender focus. So I began my Humans to Fintech podcast. I myself then became pregnant. So I did a maternity and paternity stories of fintech because I wanted to know how can I continue my career in this industry whilst having babies? And people showed me that you can do it. And I celebrated this in podcasts. And it's often a taboo, like people just don't don't address it, but it's a huge change that most of us will go through at some point. So yes, absolutely. It was so important. And then when the pandemic hit, um, I started another series called The Talent Surgery because I wanted to respond to the pandemic by helping people learn from one another on how do you build great environments? Why is it great to work in this company and how are we looking after our staff? That has now grown into a wonderful series because I'm I'm helping people engage with the thought process that we need to identify talent potential rather than only look at existing talent and reframe our thinking around that. So that's a really important one. And then altogether, they are now called the whole series, FinTech with Nadia, the DEI discussions, because, you know, DEI is is all encompassing. There is no end to this. So I wanted to be able to have as many streams as possible. Um, and, and they will continue growing under this banner. 
but it's been such an important process for me but also for the people that listen because now they reach out to me they ask for specific topics to be covered I have people saying look you haven't covered this yet in your series can I come on and speak and it's ever-growing community of learning which is I never knew it would grow into that I wanted to raise awareness now it's collaboration learning and sharing those learns which I think is really important Sounds amazing. Well, thank you for this introduction on who you are, what you do, your journey so far. I was thinking, let's put a bit of context around what we've been discussing so far. And I'm directly taking the data from your book, Fintech Women Walk the Talk. So according to that, in 2021, only 17% of technologists in the UK were women, but the data has been stagnant for the past five years. And yet... In 2019, female-led fintech business has seen a 113% higher profit than men-led counterparties. So I'm wondering, where are we right now? What is still needed in order to call the industry more equal and more representative? Um, absolutely. And you're so right to mention those statistics because we are just knocking on the door of International Women's Day. So there's lots of articles that are being written at the moment, especially in line with the KPMG findings. Um, that businesses are more successful with women on the board. Businesses are getting better valuations, better returns, better profits. But realistically, it's about diversity of thought. Like, of course, businesses are going to be better when you've got difference of opinion in the boardroom, difference of opinion on the floor, difference of opinion in Zoom meetings. Of course, your business will be more robust because you are stress testing all the time. You know, this to me is why are we still here trying to trying to prove the absolute obvious to me that, of course, businesses are going to be stronger with different people driving it forward. How can we build sustainable, robust businesses with only one demographic within it, trying to sell to a consumer base that incorporates the masses? It's, um, it's really beyond me that we're still here, but, but we still are. And I think the stats that you said are, are really key because as of 2021, we were still only 17% of all technology roles in the UK filled by women. And you're right, the worst thing about that was that number had not changed for five years. So every time we were attracting women to the industry, we were also losing women from the industry. So me as a recruiter, this fact hit me really hard because I thought I was doing some great things about attracting women to the industry. I go to universities and talk to students about why financial services technology is so exciting. I'm doing lots of campaigns for school leavers as well to really raise, raise awareness. But what is the point if we cannot hold on to these people? And this is the key. And this is where, where I really drove forward the answers and, the, and how we re reveal the solution to the challenges in the book. And, it, and the challenge for me is actually it's in the retention. And what is retaining staff? Retaining staff is about ensuring that day in, day out, we espouse parity in our businesses. It must be as easy as it is to get promoted for a man. It must be the same for a woman. The same with any ethnic minority background, any sexual orientation, any religion. We should not have, and everyone talks about, we must level the playing field. This playing field has got to be leveled. We cannot deny people access, deny people opportunity because people will end up leaving. And this is what's happening in statistics. And what I try and open people's eyes to in the books, it's, it's right in the middle of the book, chapter five and six, I focus on 
this is what we're dealing with and we must acknowledge it. And we have a culture at the moment and we have had it for a number of years in the workplace and in society that when um, the marginalized put their hand up and say, this isn't good enough, rather than listening, the privilege, what they decide to do is rebuke and rebut and excuse make. We often use the term now gaslighting, but this is what happens to victims in the workplace and in society when inequity is happening. And we have to retrain our brains if we wish to retain people and retrain ourselves to say, someone is telling me there's a problem. Let me listen to that problem and try and solve it. And this is actually the premise of my book, because I talk about fintech having the potential to lead the way because fintech was built out of making things better, was built out of looking at the checkbook and saying, hold on a minute, why are we writing checks that take three days? I'm sure we can do something better than this. And then in swoops technology and in swoops this revolution, evolution, constant change that now defines the, the fintech industry. So I think it's a really exciting time, but we have to be honest with ourselves that change has to happen. Because even if we say today, as of 2022, the percentage in the UK of women in technology across all technology roles is now 19%. So we could say, well done, clap our hands, pat on the back. But what happens next year and what happens the year after that? How are we retaining? We must promote, we must invest, we must educate. And that's on both sides, um, not just one gender. That's for all. Absolutely. And yes, I do agree. The, the irony of fintech is that it's bringing change. But many dynamics within the industry are, are quite traditional still and not really as progressive as we wish and at the very beginning of the book, in one of the first chapters, you also talk about the fintech mindset. Maybe you could tell our listeners what you were referring to and how this also links to the title of the book. Um, absolutely. So I talk about the fintech mindset. You know, when we talk about mental toughness, it's I always get this image of a of a brain, you know, sort of working out because you have to work on your mental toughness. You have to work on your ability to take on feedback and change and I think that this actually is the defining trait of the fintech community. The fintech community is born out of looking at something that was working but could be done so much better and actually was only working for a certain percentage of people or a certain demographic in many, many examples. So actually, wasn't working that well at all, but in our perception was working well. So the fintech community is, is about looking at something that could be ripped apart and done better um, you know, I remember back in sort of 2013, 2014, everyone defined the fintech communities, removing the middleman, automating systems, making things a lot faster. But now, actually, the conversation is around making things more accessible. We're talking more about financial inclusion and accessibility to all. So if we're talking about that, you know, you want everybody to be able to use your payment system if you're a payments company. You want everybody to have access to your new credit rating report. So if that's the case, we have to have the ability to deal with what now is perceived as the consumer, which isn't one demographic, it is all. So we have to be open to challenge. We have to be open to diversity of thought, difference of opinion. We have to be able to listen to people that will say, 
hold on a minute, the way that you are portraying your product is only appealing to a certain segment of society. Instead, we should do it like this. And if for one moment you can't hear that constructive criticism, you are actually doing a huge disservice to your business. And this is what I mean by the fintech mindset. You have to be open to change. You have to be open to challenge. I mean, look at how the fintech community responded to the pandemic. Pivot, 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 and look how it's now thriving. In my entire career, I've never seen so much funding into a space. I've never seen so many vacancies and so much growth and so much fighting for talent, you know. And if if this is the mindset and if this is the world the fintech community is in, surely we can do the change that we need to do to really drive authentic, genuine inclusion in our workplaces. And this is one of the big points of my book. We have to make that decision because at the moment, DE&I is still on many agendas just as a last point or people decide that it's um, not as important as the next really important hire and they decide to you know move it down the, the, the pegging field. And I think that it's, it's really, really important that we are open and honest with ourselves about the whole ecosystem. We are about change and putting ourselves in the best position to be the best that we can be and the strongest that we can be. The strongest is with different opinions and diversity of thought. So it isn't only about social justice, which is important enough on its own, but it's also about the future of our ecosystem. So I'm incredibly passionate about raising awareness and driving change on this. Absolutely. Thank you, Nadia. Of course, the change comes from different departments of the organization and across the board. Clearly, the recruitment side has a huge responsibility in order to make this happen and happen it quickly. Tapping into your own experience, what do you think is the role of recruiters and how they can really make an impact and drive change in the fintech sphere? Yeah, absolutely. So I've dedicated my last few years of my career to raising the visibility of the women um, in technology, of women uh, within fintech, and of women who want to join this space with potential for these skills. And I think that that is a recruiter's responsibility to raise that visibility and allow for people in positions of hiring to be able to see that. Because there is one thing that is often repeated within the hiring community, um, across hiring managers within financial services, technology, fintech, and I'm sure other areas as well. And this is what they say. They say, oh, I'd have loved to have hired a woman for that position, but we know women just don't exist in that role. And, you know, as a fintech recruiter, I know that people say this for DevOps. They say this for um, application support. They say this for cybersecurity. They say this for development. And this is these are the areas that we place in. So I am really experienced with um, evidence examples case studies of of how we have we have solved this problem so for so many of our clients but very simply by me just saying that is your own bias in your mind that unconscious I've just made that conscious for you and now let me show you evidence of why you shouldn't be thinking that way because yes we know that there's a deficit we know that we're around the 20% at the moment and in some of these particular areas I would agree DevOps, as an example, the percentage will be a lot lower of women within that space. So what are we going to do? We have to raise the visibility of the women in that space, but also we have to help support our companies and our clients around what can you do to identify a potential and train that potential up. 
And this is where the whole world of work has changed a lot, because if we look at the sheer volume of growth potential the fintech ecosystem has at the moment, people doing those jobs right now simply don't exist. So you've got to train someone somewhere. Um, and, and actually, it's about looking at that potential, identifying that right person. And unfortunately, too many people still identify the right person as their own mirror image. And as hiring managers, we need to we need to open our eyes to the importance of diversity of thought, what we've been talking about. So I think the recruitment industry's responsibility is the visibility, awareness, but also this conversation about retention and what that actually means. And for me, retention is about promoting fairly and correctly and not overlooking people who don't put their hand up all the time. It's about hiring differently. Um, it's about supporting people in the right role for them. So when I say hiring differently, I'm a massive advocate for a campaign of mine, which I call the 17% list, which is around role creation. And I think that this is a, a big game changer in how people fill their vacancy. The whole community has changed phenomenally over the past 10, 15 years. But one thing that hasn't changed is how we hire. We still write job descriptions and adverts and expect people to apply. Whereas I think that, you know, we could almost rip up job descriptions and rip up CVs and just talk about what people want to do in their next role. And if we start looking at that, then we start looking at, well, how can we mold one of the current roles that we have around this person? How can we add a few skills to it? How can we take a few of the expectations off what we originally thought? How do we give this person a great chance in our company and a great chance to succeed in our company by not just stepping down into a role or stepping across into a role, but stepping up into a role. And if we start thinking like that, I think we can give lots of different people new opportunities, but also opportunities to remain within a company for the long term, because we've got to stop this whole hiring obsession with hiring someone that can do the job with their eyes closed. That's not engaging for them. That's not going to make them stay. That's not going to fulfill them with a challenge day in, day out. Let, let's help people progress. That's so interesting. On this point, we've been talking about the employer's perspective, but you also see plenty of candidates. And when it comes to women approaching the tech industry for the first time, what would you say if, if you could suggest a few best practices? Because yeah, imposter syndrome kicks in. So maybe just a few suggestions or advice from your experience. Experience. Yeah, of course. Now, look, you've just mentioned imposter syndrome. Um, I always say, look, everyone has a version of imposter syndrome. Just some people are really good at saying, stop it, leave my mind right now, and I'm going to give this a go. And other people's aren't. And I think the really important thing to think about here is the ones that are very good at ignoring their imposter syndrome often surround themselves with people that believe in them. Um, and I think this is where the crux of my advice comes from. Like, I am working very hard to help people understand that they need to be advocates for those around them. Um, they need to make sure that advocates stand up when they see injustices. We need to make sure we have more allies to every form of our um, inclusion journey. And so whenever I give advice to anyone joining the industry, make sure you are surrounded by supporters, advocates and allies. And you will see this during an interview process. It's not just about the boss. 
It's also about the mentors within the company. It's also about the people and your peers that you'll be working with. It's who else is across the business that, that's getting promoted. Where is the representation? Who could you reach out to for support? Um, and one thing that the fintech industry, I think, is doing beautifully at the moment is this rise of networking across businesses. So your mentors, your support structure doesn't necessarily need to be in your business, but you do need some support, allyship and advocacy within your business. So when you're getting interviewed, it's not just about can you do this job? It's will you be able to do this job with the support that this business will give you? Are they good enough in terms of their support of you? And the mentorship, that's actually about networking. We can connect you across the industry because the wonderful thing at the moment that I'm seeing is, especially on the gender equality front, is there are so many women who are willing to give their time to mentor people of all levels, um, all numbers of years of experience across the industry to help them be the best that they can be. But then again, mentor the allies and the advocates so that they can allow the women in the industry to have a level playing field and to be progress progressed in a fair and equitable way. And that's that's all we're asking for. And no one should be denied that. Absolutely. And it's so great to see more and more women who are already very established in the industry, passionate about the cause and offering their time and engaging in different initiatives. Nadia, before concluding this session, maybe you could give us one key message or like one main takeaway from the book? Um, so the final chapter of, of the book is be powerful. And essentially my message is we all have to acknowledge that inclusion is right here. It's not an over there problem for somebody else to affix. It's a problem that's right here on your lap that we all have a responsibility to fix. And we must be powerful because the minute that you start opening your eyes to it's my job to make this better, you'll be exhausted very quickly because you see it everywhere. But we have to open our eyes. We have to start being allies. We have to start being advocates. And to do that, we must choose to be powerful. Thank you so much, Nadia Edwards-Dashti, author of Fintech Women Walk the Talk. It was a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you.